How's it going today, guys? We're back here live in the studio for another episode of Hot Takes with TP3. I'm your host, Thomas Penland, joined once again on Tuesday, December 7th, 2021, by none other than Ben Goritz. Ben, I know you're excited, man. It's good to be I'm back. back. <laughs> oh, yeah. Back oh, yeah. and uh, look like the team. Looked like my school wanted a little bit, uh, a little bit, res- uh, a little bit of some respect for some, from some people. Yeah, Ben. You know that is exactly what I said on the podcast was going to happen. And what do you know? It went down exactly like I thought it would. I was texting Ben all week. You know, we wanted him on the podcast to talk about it. Obviously, we couldn't. Cody did a great job stepping in for him. But you already know that Ben is hyped up about that big time win. Sorry, I'd meet myself real quick so I could cough. But um. Anyway, um, so on today's podcast, we're going to run down for you all the college football playoff, which is now out. After that, we're going to talk about the coaching carousel. We got a couple NFL topics we're going to hit. And then, as always, next week, or I mean on Friday, guys, we'll be back. It'll be matchup podcast. We only have one uh, college football game, Army versus Navy. We'll talk about that one. I'll give you all a little uh, hint right here. My pick might be a little underwhelming in that game. And then after that, we'll talk NFL. But Let's get down to it, guys. Ben, I know you got a lot to say, man. Those Crimson Time were absolutely disrespected. Six and a half. I mean, don't don't disrespect the goat with with a touchdown spread. Uh, what's that stat? You sent me some stat saying uh, Alabama has been an underdog like three times or something like that, and they've won all three games by seventeen points or more. Yep. Listen, did Georgia deserve to be favored in the game? Absolutely. But here, at the end of the day, if you thought that if the game was going to be in a shootout, in, a, in an aerial attack, which obviously it turned out to be, if you thought Stetson Bennett could hang with Bryce Young, you're, you're just delusional. And, and that's the case. And I, I think I texted you that, and I, I think you may have mentioned it, that if Alabama can force Georgia into a passing attack, game's over. You're not competing Stetson Bennett with Bryce Young, I, I honestly think 90% of the Georgia fans I know uh, and I'm friends with knew that. Um, I'm not saying Stetson Bennett should have started the game. He should have. But when he threw that pick six, I don't know, how, and you're down, I think that put him down 21 points in the fourth quarter. Like, yep. you're not running the football at that point. I don't know. I don't know what you're looking at. Um, so Stetson's Bennett, Stetson Bennett has played against Alabama twice. Both times have not looked great. Three uh, INTs both games, I, th- I believe. Uh, did he throw three this past? I think he threw or sorry, two. it was three the first time, yeah. two last time. It's just – it's not his game plan. Um, and I was reading something that's like, you know, if you look at – you know, uh, I was actually just reading it. So Clemson, when they were in the National Championship game, they had Trevor Lawrence uh, throw for over 35 attempts. Joe Burrow threw for over 45 attempts. Bryce Young just threw for over 40. Stetson Bennett's averaging like 23 pass attempts a game. You can't win an aerial attack if your quarterback is not used to doing it. Um, he's not used to doing it. I was very impressed that both run defenses live up, lived up to the hype. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, Bama's pretty banged up at the running back position, but, you know, you got to have some kind of balance. I, you know, Bama didn't run the ball very efficiently. Georgia didn't run the ball very efficiently. Georgia did a little bit better. And Bama led to the, the they just leaned on their passing attack. Um, unfortunately, that led to John Mechie getting hurt. He's the leading receiver on the team um, by, a, by a wide margin. So they're going to have to figure out how to get some receptions to make up for him. But the way that Alabama played that game, they absolutely dominated. Um, I'll let you talk, and then I'll kind of ask you a question about it. All right. Yeah, so, you know, first thing I got to say is it went about the way I expected. I expected Alabama to come out and throw the ball the way they did. You know, they were smart with the run game. They let it more be Bryce Young. They ran, you know, some quick, some uh, sweet plays. You know, they still ran the ball decently, but they relied heavily on that pass tack, like you said. But honestly, I think that Nick Saban, you know, he – like Nick Saban was never going to lay down. That's why I said Nick Saban's not going to lay down. He came out there and had a big game plan. And, you know, from the flip side of things for Georgia, I don't want to take away from what Alabama did or anything because they whooped their ass. But, I mean, it just felt like, man, Georgia had no game plan, you know. Like it felt like Georgia just thought they were going to push them around up front. It was going to be fun. The game would be over. I mean, you watched Alabama do it. You watched – I mean, you watched LSU do it. You watched Auburn do it. You watched – um. 
who's the other Arkansas. team? You watched Tennessee, Arkansas. You watched all these teams use the game plan where they're going to come up there, they're going to be physical, and they were going to blitz the hell out of you. Georgia didn't do any of that. You didn't see Georgia run any stunts or anything. They kind of switched up a little bit in the second half, but it was too little too late. I mean, if you get up there, surely Georgia has to have the corners to be physical with guys like Jamison Williams and Mechie. Look, I get it. They're two of the best receivers in the nation, but surely Georgia, if your defense is that good, you can go up there and be physical with those wide receivers. I didn't see any of it. It looked fun and easy for those guys. They were running around wide open the whole game. I mean, I wish I could run around like that. It almost looks like Brady and the Bucks on Sundays. You know, that's how easily <laughs> open they were. I mean, it, they, Georgia had no pushback. I felt like Georgia had no game plan for that. And, I mean, Stetson Bennett threw the ball 48 times. That's not going to get it done. Like you said, he only throws a 27 a game. He's a game manager. You can't have him trying to throw the ball 48 times. Only 11 carries for James Cook. I felt like Georgia just, you know, kind of got pushed off their game plan quick and kind of fell into what the trap Alabama wanted them to do is play from behind. I mean, that was the one thing you couldn't do. You come out of the quick 10 nothing lead. Then just like that, Alabama's up and you're playing their game, you know? I mean, obviously the only player I'd say on Georgia that played a hell of a game was Brock Bowers. That guy can do everything. But other than that, I think now the Mechie injury and everything, look, I think Georgia's going to have a much better game plan if these two teams meet each other again. But you can't count Michigan out like that. What questions you want to ask me on the game? Well, so I mean, I've I've heard from some some Georgia fans that I know personally. I I somewhat see their stance on this, but I also see it more as an excuse, and I don't really agree with it. But I'm curious what you think. Listen, Georgia didn't really have anything to lose in that game. They knew that they could lose this game and still get into the college football yep. playoff. Do you think at, at any point Kirby just like yeah, because he didn't look that disappointed when they lost? But you know, my answer to that is. I, I disagree. Uh, I, I agree that Georgia still gets into the playoff with the loss. Obviously, that happened. We know that now. But I disagree on the fact that it doesn't mean anything for Georgia. I completely disagree with it, to be honest with you. Kirby Smart does not seem like the type of coach that takes any game lightly, especially when it's against Alabama and his former boss, Nick Saban, who he is still not beaten yet. I think anytime he faces up against Alabama, he wants to win the game. And I think after the game and maybe a press conference, if he doesn't look that upset, sure. But when he's coaching in the game, I think every play call that he calls on defense or that Dan Lanning calls on defense or that Todd Munkin calls on offense is to win the game. I mean, what do you think? Did, does, does the game not really meaning anything for Georgia, as they put that in air quotes, think that has anything to do with it? I would say yes, but Georgia's never beaten Alabama, so or at least they haven't in the Dick Saban era beaten Alabama. So I would say no for that reason. And plus two, you know they were also going for an undefeated season. Exactly. And if you're Georgia, you don't want to see Alabama get in the playoff. Now, don't get me wrong, you'll have a better game plan and everything. Now, I say no, Georgia was trying as hard as they could to win that game and they had a terrible game plan, but now in the fourth quarter, I do think they could have made some adjustments, maybe bring in JT Daniels, maybe blitz more, be more physical. I think that probably all those thoughts went through Kirby's head. But I think, honestly, at that point, he was just like, whatever. This game's – I mean, our odds of coming back and winning are not as much. Let's let's just get out of here, not get anybody big injured, and let's, look, and let's play for the Final Four and try to get them again, you know? Like, I don't – like, I'm not going to sit here and say that they didn't try their hardest. They definitely did. Alabama clearly had them beat and had them outcoached. I think in the fourth quarter, he just kind of cut his losses and said, let's get out of here. Let's see him again, you know? I think that's the smartest way to play it. I think Georgia came short. I bet Kirby's pissed about it too, you know? I mean – Kirby can't screw up here. He's got to get this national championship this year. I mean, if he goes out and loses to Michigan in the final four, it's just going to be the same story. They played in, they got in some, they got an easier road in the sec. Um, they couldn't really beat the teams that were better than them. You know, I mean, at some point in time, you're gonna have to beat a team that's better than you. They haven't been able to do that yet, but it's just going to be the same narrative. He's Mark Rick. He gets the recruits in and he can't do anything with them. You know, and Cody brought up a good point in text to you and I, um, that I, I don't know if Georgia fans want to hear this, but since Kirby Smart's been at Georgia, I'd say the East has been easier than it was when Mark Rick was there. Cody brought up a good point. When when Mark Rick was coaching uh, the dogs, Florida was an elite program. Yep. Actually, Florida was a better program than Georgia, um, under Urban Meyer specifically. South Carolina was extremely competitive. Tennessee, they've kind of been bad for a while, but you had at least two good teams. Now the second-best team of the last couple of years – Florida, you know, they're still there in the East. Kentucky. Kentucky's been their next best team, and Kentucky is is not going to compete with Georgia. So 
if your hardest games are, are is Kentucky, you know, compared to the West, it's just there's a difference, and it's a harder road. Uh, can Kirby do it? I mean, he absolutely can. But let's let's segue. You brought up Michigan. You got to be impressed with what with what Michigan just did to Iowa. Iowa, listen, their offense is absolutely atrocious. Uh, we knew that. Their defense is not, however. Their defense is very good, and it's ranked very good nationally. And Michigan did whatever they wanted to against those Hawkeyes. I thought it was a tremendous win. I think any win for Jim Harbaugh that was past uh, beating Ohio State is a big win for him. He's in unfamiliar territory, and he absolutely has dominated uh, the past two weeks, which was Iowa and, um, and Ohio State. Now he's going to have a tough test against Georgia because we know Michigan likes to run the football. That's what they do very effectively. It's what they do very efficiently. And we know for a fact that nobody runs on Georgia. It hasn't really been done all year. In fact, it hasn't been done all year. Can Michigan beat Georgia with their style of play? Anyway, yeah, Ben, that's a good that's a good question you bring up there. I personally think Michigan can beat Georgia with their style of play. That is if Stetson Minute plays quarterback. Look, this Michigan defense is good, man. They shut down Ohio State's offense. I mean, Iowa already had no offense. We all knew that, but it looked even worse out, out there. I mean, that was absolutely abysmal. They couldn't do anything. So Michigan defense is good. I don't think Stetson Minute's going to have an easy time. I think Michigan can beat Georgia, honestly. Look, they're going to be able to run the ball for something in this game. I mean, they'll be able to move the ball somewhat on the ground. I think Michigan is a little bit of an underrated passing attack, too. You know, they won't be playing in this outdoor cold weather. I think Michigan will be able to move the football. I think it'll be a very competitive game. I think eight points a little disrespectful. Now, I do think it'd be pretty shocking if Michigan beat Georgia in the game, but I think they'll definitely hang. But I think they can hang with them. Uh, I think the, I mean, the total started at a kind of a low number, which obviously is not surprising mm-hmm. since both teams have uh, stellar defenses. I, it's two similar styles uh, and two hard-nosed coaches that that really like to play their game and they don't really make adjustments. Like it, they're going to go down swinging playing their game. Both of these coaches kind of coach like that. Both of them are very intense coaches. Um, I, I'm interested to see, obviously, what or wh- who the Georgia quarterback is and if it is Stetson. Uh, I'm interested in kind of what adjustments he makes. Um He's had a tremendous career in terms of wins and losses at Georgia so far. He hasn't had that many losses, so we haven't seen a ton of chances for him to see what he looks like in a bounce-back opportunity. But we'll see. Um, I, I don't know. Like, I, I, this is good. I think both of these semifinal matchups, like, I don't think anyone is going to give Cincinnati a chance to beat Alabama, um, which I think is the more obvious statement to make. I don't think I don't think a lot of people are going to give Michigan uh, the chance, and and I like to tell you all the time the most dangerous team is the one where no one believes in them, and you get a lot of motivation from that. And I I I think this is going to be a really good game. Uh, I tweeted out uh, you know a couple of days ago that since the college football playoff started, we haven't seen two competitive mm-hmm. semifinal games. Just uh, De- or December. 31st, we're going to find out. I don't know if we're going to get it this year. Um, what I will say about the Alabama-Cincinnati matchup is I think they play Alabama – maybe, like, I think they play closer than what Georgia just showed, to be honest with you. All really? year long – yeah, I mean, all, all year long, um, what we've seen from Bama is the games – it's really only been two of them. The games where they needed to show up big – and uh, there was kind of like a fringe moment if they might lose. Um, well, I guess there was three games. It was Ole Miss, Alabama showed out. I mean, yep. Alabama <laughs> made it look pretty easy against Ole Miss, uh, who was a 10-win team against Georgia, which we just saw. Then A&M, and A&M they lost. Um, that game was on the road which is a very tough environment. But, but that game's a lot different, you know, with the backup quarterback and everything. You can definitely see why they would no-show it. Yeah, I mean, that guy ended up pretty much being the starter all year for A&M. Um, it's just that, you know, I don't know. I, I think we've seen, like, Bama should have blown out LSU this year. They didn't. Bama should have blown out Arkansas at that point in the season. Arkansas was kind of def- uh, deflated at that point in the season, mm-hmm. and they didn't. 
Alabama, I know it was in Auburn, and that stadium's got some weird voodoo magic in it. Um, but Alabama should have been head and shoulders better than Auburn, and they didn't do it. And I think everyone's going to come into this game and think Alabama should blow them out. And Listen, Cincinnati's not a bad football team. I'm not saying they could beat Alabama. I, I don't think they have a prayer in, in winning the game. But can they hang with them? Based on what Alabama has showed in the games where we thought they'd blow people out, and they didn't, they didn't show up in a lot of them. So, but I will say this. The opening line, I think it was 14 and a half. It opened up. Uh-huh. Now it's 13 and a half. I'd say that was pretty respectful for Cincinnati. No, I'd say the line's about accurate. I mean, you just went over it yourself. Alabama really hadn't blown the brakes off anybody like that. Um, look, I don't think Cincinnati's action to be in the game that you ever think they're going to have a chance at winning the game. But, I mean, yeah, I'll agree with that. I think it's going to be a lot more like how the Alabama-Washington or how the Alabama-Notre Dame Final Four game went. You know, I think Cincinnati's going to show up and play a style of, you know, that they're more so playing not to get blown out and embarrassed rather than win the game. You know, like Cincinnati's going to run the football. They're going to try to take time off the clock. I mean, their defense is physical. Their defense is good. They have decent corners. Kobe Bryant's a beast. Their cornerback, I mean – I think that they'll a plus two, you know, Michi is not or Mechi's not playing in this game. I mean, obviously, I think one of these freshmen will step up, but you know, I, I think that I think it'll it will end up seeing like a 38-17 type game. You know, I don't think it's gonna be the ugliest showing ever from Cincinnati. So that's what I'm saying. I do agree with you yeah. from that. I don't and plus two, I mean, when you look at it. Oklahoma State, I mean, I don't think they would have done any better than Cincinnati. I don't think any team in the nation could do any better than Cincinnati will do here. And also, too, from a TV perspective, I think at least the David Goliath aspect of Cincinnati versus Alabama draws in more viewers than watching Oklahoma State in there. I mean, Oklahoma State would get destroyed. Spencer Sanders is terrible, and he showed it in that bolt in the uh, conference championship game against Baylor, you know, like. I, I really think that this is more – this will be an interesting one to watch just because it's David and Goliath, and I think it will do better on ratings than people think it will. Did you get a chance to hear what Robert Griffin III said? No, what did he say? So I I agree with his point, but also I disagree with it because there's nothing I would have done differently. But, you know, he's like, finally the committee allows a non-Power 5 team to get in, and what do they give you? They give you the juggernaut in Alabama. And he thinks that if, if Alabama blows the doors off of Cincinnati for the future uh, years in college football – it might be even harder because the outlook on the power on the non-power five is you guys can't compete because yeah. we already saw Cincinnati do it. I get that. And I don't disagree with him, but I don't know, like I would not have put Cincinnati at two and I would not have put Cincinnati at three. So I don't, I wouldn't have changed anything, but I see his point that if, if it is ugly, I think the committee's a little more, even more hesitant and they almost didn't even – it almost seems like people don't think that an undefeated Cincinnati doesn't deserve to be there. They do deserve to be here. Absolutely. Uh, definitely over – I mean, they beat Notre Dame head-to-head in Notre Dame Stadium. What more do you want from them? That's, but they beat three ranked teams. They were not ranked at the end of the year, but when they played them, they were ranked teams. They played at Notre Dame. That was a ranked win. They played SMU. That was a ranked win. And then Houston. Those are three ranked wins. I don't know what more – and they won every single game. I don't know what more people wanted Cincinnati to do. They belong to be in. And does it suck for them that they finally get in, but they have to play in Alabama? It does, but appreciate the moment that you're in and just give it your all. Who knows? What if – I don't know. Why, why can't they win? Like it's would – it, would it shock everyone? Absolutely. Would it be – it would be a big upset. I'm not going to lie. Be like Boise but State beating Oklahoma. But it's not that they can't win. They are going to show up to try and win this game, and they're going to give Alabama all they got. We're going to see if it's enough, but I'll tell you what. Notre Dame hasn't put up a fight in some of these playoff games. Oklahoma hasn't put up a fight in some of these playoff exactly. games. Exactly. Cincinnati is going to fight until there's triple zeros uh, on the clock in the fourth quarter. Exactly. We don't want to see the same thing we've seen over and over again. Let's see something new. Cincinnati brings that. So be an awesome college football playoff. Trust me, guys, me and Ben will have I, I know those games are gonna be on New Year's Eve. We'll try to get a podcast out for you the day before the day before that or something. We'll get we'll get something for sure where we got picks and everything for y'all on those games and where we got insights for y'all on bowl games. But Ben, we got to get down to the other big storylines, man. We'll start out with Mario Cristobal t- hightailing out of Eugene, Oregon, going to Miami. There's two sides to talk about. Let's talk about him going to Miami side first here. I'm a, I want to address this. Look, 
I think Mario Cristobal is a good coach. He's a great recruiter. Everything I hear, he's a great recruiter. I mean, he brought Justin Herbert to Oregon. He brought in the number one overall recruit with Kayvon Thibodeau. He clearly did a great job while he was at Oregon. Now, do I think he vastly underperformed with all the talent he was handed? Absolutely. I mean, look at Justin Herbert in the NFL. I mean, all of us thought that Justin Herbert was overrated coming out because of what he did in college. But, I mean, then you look at Justin Herbert in the NFL, man, and you just see all the talent, everything. We all thought he was going to be a bust. Justin Herbert was vastly under used when he was at Oregon I mean somehow they lost to Bo Nix in Auburn as a true freshman in a game they should have never lost I mean I saw Mario Cristobal blow multiple big leads he should have never blown before there was one where two where Oregon played Utah where they were literally basically putting the game away and then they blew it they've done it too many times I think Mario Cristobal blown out twice this year too yeah, exactly. They even blew it. Even that Stanford game they lost, they blew it, you know? Like, I really think Mario Cristobal is vastly underachieved with the talent he gets. And look, if Miami thinks this guy's going to come in here and win them a national championship in three to five years, they're going to be disappointed and he's going to be fired just like all the other head coaches have been. Now, if you come in here and say, we want to be competitive, we want to go nine and three, we want to bring in some top recruits, we want to send guys to the NFL, we want to make bowl games, we want to make ACC championships – I think all that might be achievable, but if you come in here with the expectations you're going to win the national championship, it's not going to happen, and it's going to be the exact same thing. These teams need to wake up and smell the roses. So I actually love this hire um, because I like when coaches have a passion for the school they are at, Mm -hmm. and I know that he'll bring it in recruiting. I know that he'll bring it in, in coaching. I know that he'll have all of his assistant coaches bring it as well. This is a guy that is uh, that played for the Miami Hurricanes. He knows what the glory years have looked like for them. As you mentioned, he's a great recruiter. Uh, he was at Alabama under Nick Saban and was a tremendous recruiter there. He ended up getting a job like Oregon, which is a tremendous job, especially when you're not yeah. from the West Coast. You know, he won a Rose Bowl. Uh, that's got to stand for something with Herbert. Um, but yeah, I mean, they weren't. They didn't make the playoff with, with uh, Cristobal, so. I think it's a great hire for Miami and you don't build a national championship contender with a roster like they've had over the past couple of years in a couple of years. But I think he competes in the ACC within his first two to three years. I really do. Um, well, he's already told, he, he's already told one blatant lie. He just said that Van Dyke is <laughs> one of the best quarterbacks in the country. Just don't say anything. Just say you like what he hey, brings to the table. Hey, when in the weeks Van Dyke started, he ranked in the top of college football out of all quarterbacks. Just saying. That's that's fine. You can name ten quarterbacks <laughs> off the top of your head that are better than him right now. I'm not Easily. saying he's bad, but don't lie to everyone think, saying that he's the best quarterback in the country because he's not. He's not even the best quarterback in the ACC. Yeah. So. Th- well, I, I do agree with you that I think it's a good hire and everything. I'm just saying I think Miami needs to change their expectations. They're not winning national championships, and they're not going to be the best team in the ACC. You know, Now, if they want to be more competitive and get back to the 9-3 and three and make the ACC better as an overall conference, they definitely did that. But I personally think that he took the less favorable job. I would rather be at Oregon than Miami. Look, I get all the factors. I know he's best friends with all the billion-dollar boosters. I know he has family ties. I know he, he played, played in Miami. Yeah. He's got all the ties in the world. I think Oregon, though, is a much better job, in my opinion. I mean, you got Nike. You got Phil Knight. You got the jerseys. You brought in Kayvon Thibodeau. You had Justin Herbert. I think Oregon is a way better selling point. But he can get those recruits at Miami because the best high school football in the country comes from that area of the country. It comes from South Florida. If he can retain these guys, yeah. I'll tell you what, he, he's going to recruit Florida. He's going to out-recruit Norvell. He's going to out-recruit Napier. He's going to get the guys he wants in the South Florida Is area. he, though? He also has to yeah. deal with Saban. He has to deal with Kirby Smart. He's, not, he's got to deal he's with going to get all of them, but he'll get, the in-state, he'll get them over the in-state schools because he's a great recruiter. I, I think he will. I, I am not worried about him recruiting at Miami at all. Yeah, I mean, I think he'll definitely bring in talent and whatnot, but, I mean, he just goes into a more conjuncted pool. I just think Miami is going to be – I think Miami will consistently go 9-3 and three with him. I think he'd rather – I think part of it is he'd rather do it at a school that he loves mm-hmm. versus – like, he if he had to choose between winning a national championship at Oregon, who is somewhat competing for them right now, not really, but somewhat is, versus trying to do it at Miami, it's clear that he'd rather do it at his own school and I, you know what I, I think there's something to say about it like I would you know mm-hmm. I mean that's what I would want to do if I played football somewhere and that school had some down years I want to be the guy that returns them to glory you know if you look at him and his track record versus 
most of the other coaches that they've hired, I mean, let's go through it, right? Manny Diaz was not a head coach before the Miami job, not really a successful one. Um, what uh, Randy Shanahan, not much success before taking the Miami job. Al Golden, I mean, these guys were jokes of hires. Yeah, sorry. The, Al Golden is from I, Temple. Like that was no, I, I agree. This is definitely the best hire they've had in a long time. Yeah, well, hey, don't 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 sleep on Temple. Matt Rule came from Temple, and he was good at Baylor. But um, but um, my point is like it, it's it's clear that he has a passionate for Miami. And when this job opened up, there was mutual interest from the start. He's got love for them. They got love for him. They're bringing in new athletic director as well. He's the guy from Clemson who was before that. He was at Georgia Tech. Yep. He's been at Clemson since 2012. Clemson just lost the defensive coordinator. Like the ACC is as wide open as it's ever been. We're going to find out what Dabo and his staff is going to be like off of a down year and without the guy who's run their defensive ship for the last eight years, right? Yep. And I know that we'll talk about him in a second. Pittsburgh and Wake Forest were just in the ACC championship game. When's the last time Wake Forest made that, right? Both those Florida teams are State's built been, off super seniors too, you know? Right. And Florida State's been down. Like the ACC is wide open that if he can, mm. if he can start out with a strong recruiting class, then you got to build everyone to your style of play. It might take a full year. I think in year two and three, I, th- I really think he gets it running. Yeah, I look. I think Miami will win multiple ACC championships. I just don't think any national championships will be coming that way. But hey, it still is a solid hire and whatnot. Let's talk about things from the Oregon flip side here, real quick. What's next steps for Oregon? You know, I don't know who they're going to bring in. I feel like Oregon should be able to get the majority of coaches. You know, like I said to you and Cody earlier, I feel like Lane Kiffin. If I was him, man, I might head out for Oregon. You know, you just had Matt Corral. You just had a great season. You played in the SEC where a lot of these other teams were down. Now y'all didn't make the counterpoint that Lane Kiffin might not want to jump ship that quick. But look, if I'm Oregon, I think you can get pretty much – I'd say Oregon can get 80% of coaches. I rank Oregon as a top 15 landing spot as a head coach. Now you do have USC who's probably going to be back with Lincoln Riley. and Maybe they could go get Chip Kelly back again from UCLA. But look, I think Oregon, you can recruit well there. You have the Nike thing. You have the money. You have the best uniforms in college football, arguably. I think Oregon's a great program. They'll bounce back just fine. Yeah, and I think they got to get a strong recruiter. Uh, Also, there's rumors that your boy, Joe Brady. Goes to Oregon? No, goes the offensive coordinator at Miami. Apparently, there's some mutual interest there. I think that would – that would help Crystal Ball a lot. I know you love him. Let's that will be Oregon. weird though to see that. That will be weird though to see where Joe Brady goes. Is he going to go the P five route? Does he have to go the coordinator route again? I mean, it's definitely going to be interesting. He's he's still a big piece to fall, you know. So that would be crazy he's to see a, him go to Miami. He's a young guy, so if he if he wants to still be an offensive coordinator, he might he might want to stay in the NFL. We'll have to see. Um, but Oregon, you know, the first early report is that they might have interest in interviewing the BYU coach. Um, I think that would be interesting. He's a guy that has obviously yeah. some West Coast ties with BYU being in Utah. I just – there's one guy that I want. Um, does he deserve the job, and can they get someone better? Does he deserve it? I don't know. Can they get someone better? Yes, but I want Chip Kelly back in Oregon. I do. I want him. Same. I want Chip Kelly back. Um, be my, awesome. My only thing is with their coaching search, they have to hire someone that has strong recruiting ties specifically to the West coast, because if you hire someone who, who might be a little bit of a project, that means Lincoln Riley's got almost no rival in recruiting on the West coast. He's already in Los yep. Angeles, which means matter day high school. He's going to get the top guys from matter day high school, but you can't let Lincoln Riley get every single kid from the West coast. Cause he's going to keep a lot of them, which is USC has struggled. USC has struggled with in the past, Alabama, Ohio state, Georgia, some of these guys will still go into California and get them until Lincoln Riley gets the program running. But Oregon has been the powerhouse of the Pac-12 in recruiting under Cristobal. You can't take a step back there. So I am very interested to see who they hire. Um, I don't know. I I haven't heard anything who they're interested in other than maybe the BYU coach. Um, We'll have to wait and see. 
but they need to hire someone with strong recruiting ties. Yeah, absolutely. Because I mean, even Fresno State, they hired the, the or even uh, Washington hired the Fresno State old old head coach. So I mean, even they got a guy who knows the area out there and whatnot. So yeah, Oregon definitely can't afford to fall behind too much. It's gonna be interesting to see what they do there with that program. Let's talk about Oklahoma though. Oklahoma hires Vent, yeah. Brent Venables away from Clemson. Me and Cody kind of both said our feeling on it. Look. This does kind of resemble the Bob Stoops hire. This is kind of resemble what they do in the past where they take someone someone who's not a head coach and make them the head coach. He's, I forget who they said he's going to bring in as their offensive coordinator, but he's going to bring in the right guy to be the offensive coordinator. Or actually, he's keeping the he, staff there, right? Yeah, they're keeping I, the- I, I think the guy he wants is the Ole Miss offensive coordinator, Jeff Levy. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That is right. Yeah, he wants Jeff Levy in there, so he's going to bring in a high-powered offensive coordinator once again. <sighs> I don't know, man. I'm torn on this one with Venables. I feel like that maybe he was waiting on the right job to open up, but at the same time, maybe he's just that guy who's good at coaching one side of the ball and can't handle both sides of the ball. I mean, it's going to be interesting transitioning from the Big 12 to the SEC where, you know, you go from the best team to the fifth best. No, I think this was the job he he was waiting on all along. He was Mm -hmm. once a coach at Oklahoma. This is the second stint there. Uh, If he saw his, you know, getting off the plane, Oklahoma threw a huge – there were so many fans there. There was It looked like a party in Norman. I, I think there's a lot of love that him and his family have for Norman. I think there's a lot of love that Norman has for him. I think he was waiting for this job to open up and for the right time to take it, to be honest with you. I, I think he had dead set on this job. This is similar to what I said about Mario Cristobal going to Miami. There is a strong passion that Brent Venables has for Oklahoma and how he wants to keep them at the national level. I mean, Oklahoma is one of the most Mm -hmm. historic programs of all time. I think they are first or second, maybe in all time wins out of anyone. Michigan's up there. They're, they're up there. Oklahoma's got a lot of Heisman trophy winners. I think he needs to surround himself with guys like a Jeff Levy, a guy who can kind of control the offense on his own. But I think Venables can be a strong hire for them. Now, on the flip side of that, I am not a huge fan of hiring for a head coaching position, a defensive-minded guy in today's world of college football, unless he is a top, top defensive coordinator like Kirby Smart was. Venables kind of falls in that category. Um, so we're just, I'm just going to have to wait and see. I don't want to make a prediction whether he's going to be successful. If I had to lean away, I would say yes, because the Oklahoma, they kind of provide everything there for you. Um, he's a strong recruiter. I think if he builds the right staff around them, I think Bob Stoops handpicked him, to be honest with you. From what I've read, Bob Stoops told the athletic director, if I have an input, I want this guy. Uh-huh. He's going to coach with a lot of passion. He's going to recruit with a lot of passion, a lot of love for Norman, for Norman Oklahoma. And he's going to bring in guys that want to play at Oklahoma. And, uh, and th- he's already off to a decent start because one particular five-star stayed – for his press conference, and that was Caleb Williams. Yep. People were wondering, what's he going to do with this hire, you know, hiring a defensive guy? He stayed, and I'll tell you what, I don't know how you watch that press conference, and I watched it through my phone. I wasn't even there uh-huh. in person. I don't know how you don't feel the energy that this guy is going to bring. He looked so excited. I mean, I, I already said it. The love that he has and the passion that he has for Oklahoma, mm-hmm. it was showed. It showed in his eyes. It showed in his tone. He loves Oklahoma and he's ready for this job. I wouldn't be shocked if he does a if he does a really good job. He's learned under Dabo Swinney, who, in my opinion, is the second best coach in all the sport. I think he's ready to take over and do it his way. And I wouldn't be shocked if he asked Bob Stoops to be his mentor. I think Bob Stoops is probably an advisor for the school. He'll be there. He'll be there. Venables needs him. Yeah, absolutely. You know what, Ben? You just sold me on him being a good coach. I'll buy in with you on that. Those are some pretty damn good points you made right there with all that. He needs Caleb Williams to stay to get off to a good start, though. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Caleb seems like he's only played one year, but he kind of seems like the guy, kind of like a Bryce Young. He's another coach on the field, it seems like. He understands a lot of different Mm -hmm. coverages, a lot of different techniques. I think Oklahoma is going to be just fine. Yeah, if Caleb Williams sticks around, they definitely will be just fine. Let's move things over now and talk about a little NFL here. 
Obviously, yeah. Ben, we couldn't do this podcast yesterday solely because we had a huge game last night. The New England Patriots went into Buffalo and ran the football down their throat, throwing the ball two times in the game. It was just the most Belichick way of winning a game I've ever watched in my entire life. Um, let's talk a little bit about about the AFC now, Ben. Look, we, Patriots take the number one seed now. You got to watch the Kansas City Chiefs just absolutely destroy and dominate the Broncos on Sunday Night Football as well. Um, ben, it, is the is the AFC's ending inevitable and it's back to the way it normally is, Kansas City versus New England, or are we missing something here? Because, I mean, everything I've seen, man, I really don't feel like we are. The fact Bill Belichick can still win is back to his ways of winning games without having to throw the football. I mean, last year, I feel like it was an off year for the Patriots. They had half their freaking defense opt out for COVID. They used this money smartly, you know? Like, they didn't even have Kyle Duggar in there last night. He's like their big-time defensive mismatch. Look at the flip side of things from Kansas City. All of a sudden now, these Mahomes passes that are getting bouncing off his receiver's fingertips and getting intercepted, that's not happening anymore. Kansas City have like one of the most unlucky turnover runs we've seen in the NFL for the first half of the season this year. Look, man, I think it's back to Kansas City and New England. The only other team that I even think has a chance is Tennessee. Buffalo, we can see, is clearly flawed. Um, Indianapolis, I mean, I feel like Indianapolis would be like that sleeper team outside of all of them. But other than that, everyone else I see clear flaws in. Man, I get it about the Chiefs. Um, being on a five-game win streak, defense is playing great. But let that act like Mahomes is Mahomes. He Against Denver, they scored 22 points. He threw an interception. He didn't even – he had a rushing touchdown. Mm-hmm. A passer or a QB or a, yeah, passer rating of 57.3. You. Like, listen, I get it. Everyone thinks the offense is going to turn it around, but the answer is when, because the last two weeks it hasn't looked good. And Dallas's defense isn't what it used to be. And Denver's defense wouldn't say they're great at this point. They don't really have much of a pass rush. So I'm still waiting for Mahomes to do it. I, I still think it's open. And I, I don't know if, I don't know. Like I, that was a little vague from you about Indianapolis. I think Indianapolis is in, tremendous shape i agree they are they are on a bye week this week they play new england at home the way that the colts are playing right now why can't they beat new england they're running the football better than anyone else in the in the nfl mm-hmm. that's including new england they got the best running back in the nfl uh in jonathan taylor carson wentz is limiting his mistakes and their defense is playing great uh, i think the colts i mean they got to win that game obviously but i think the colts are in tremendous shape I think the Titans are not as good a shape. Titans have fallen apart offensively. Well, if they get well, the thing is they're going to get AJ Brown back. Julio Jones is supposed to be back this week. Going to get Derrick Henry back. I mean, it's kind of like what we always say. You know, you're playing your best ball back? at the end of the season. I've I've heard Henry could come back for the play. If Henry comes back and you get AJ and Julio back, I buy on the Titans for the playoff run. Without them, I agree with you. That's fine, but I'm not going to sit here and act like Julio Jones playing is that big of a deal anymore. He doesn't do much. A.J. Brown's a stud. A.J. Brown's incredible. And obviously, you'd rather have Julio on your team than not have Julio. Yeah. But he is not a, he's not a star receiver anymore. He's just not. He, I mean, you don't have to double-team him at any, point, at any point in his career for the rest of his career. He's not a double-team target. I don't know. I, I think the Colts are in good shape specifically because they're off a bye and they get New England at home. And we know they play well at home. Here's the thing. New England – took advantage of a huge favor, and I know we were going to talk about it next, but let's just talk about it now. When the Ravens were playing that game, scored the ending touchdown, and went for two, before they even lined up to go for two, I looked at my roommate and said, they're going to go for two. He's like, why? I said, because John Harbaugh is an extremely aggressive coach that believes in his team. They lined up for two, and I was like, I'm not shocked by this at all. Now, they didn't get it, and you got you to gotta live with the consequences that come with your decisions. Unfortunately, the Ravens losing that game gave the Patriots the first place in the AFC, mm-hmm. and then the Patriots locked it up a little further by beating Buffalo in Buffalo. Listen, aggressive decision, but if you know, if you watch Ravens games over the year, that's who John Harbaugh is. And I got to be honest with you, with the guy that's as dynamic as Lamar Jackson, is it ever a bad decision to keep him on the field? I don't know. Like. It, the, the smarter play is to play for overtime. If you're the better team, you should win in overtime, and I understand that. But the way the Steelers were kind of playing in that game, sending it to overtime, 
That pass rush was getting to Lamar. He was not throwing the ball the best in his game. I don't hate the decision because what I know of John Harbaugh's past decisions, it didn't work out and it left them in a bad spot. And yeah, it helped out Bill Belichick and they took advantage of it. I actually am going to agree with you on this one that I think they made the right decision to go for it. Look, you watch Marlon Humphrey go down and get injured in this game. Players have been dropping like flies for them this season. Out for the year now, too. Exactly. Players have been dropping like flies at this point in time. You don't have a bye week. Guys are not going to get more healthy as the season goes on. I feel like you kind of had to win that game. You don't want to play another because they already played an overtime game a couple weeks ago. That that would have been their third overtime game. Think about it. Their players would have played almost an entire full game. That would have been three extra quarters of football. I think that's the right decision. You can't afford with all the injuries you've had and everything to play. I mean, look, you can argue the way the game was going. They would have won an overtime. You have the best kicker in the NFL on your side. I just don't think you want to pay, you want to play basically an entire extra game of football. You know, that's not going to go well for your team. Now, back to – kind of what we we're talking about i do agree with you mahomes hasn't quite been himself but that's because all these teams have been playing that little hot that too high safety you know that kind of defense he's not as good with look listen to these stats i'm not going to name them all out so basically ever since we first saw a team do that which was tennessee and basically ever they since it's become a they thing they haven't figured it out since yeah well andy Reid and mahomes and they haven't even figured it out well i wouldn't say that they haven't figured it out the thing is, they lean on their defense. They grind you out in the trenches with that. They run the football more. But think about this. In the entire stretch of Mahomes playing in those bat games where he's not played as well because of that defense, the one game that outlies the one game they didn't do it, Oakland didn't do it, or Las Vegas didn't do it. They lose the, Mahomes 35 for 50 for 406 yards and yeah. five touchdowns. You know, So, like, obviously, when you don't do it against Mahomes, he can do it again. I feel like they've learned, though, how to play against that. The way they play against that is they run the ball and grind you up with your defense. Which is fine, but I don't – like, if, if the Chiefs and Patriots play in the AFC Championship right now, what percentage of confidence do you have that Mahomes is, is going to beat the greatest defensive mind that I've ever seen? Belichick is known for taking your best weapon away. What do you think, he's not going to play the style of defense that that will stop the Chiefs? I mean, i got to be honest with you. I, I don't think, as of right now, I don't think the Chiefs should even be favored against the Patriots in a game. Well, I don't think they should because the game would be in New England. But, look, the way I look at it, Mac Jones really hasn't had to do that much. All he's had to do is hand the football off. I think Mac Jones going against that defensive line, getting pressured in a high-stakes game like that, I think Spagnola can turn him over. I mean, we've seen Spagnola. What was it when they played Tennessee? Tennessee, Kansas City has no run defense. Somehow they find a run defense, force Tannehill into passing situations. He can't do it. I think it'd be the exact same thing with Mac Jones. We've seen this story repeatedly. Pretty much the only time they can't that Mahomes had been able to get by someone, it's been Tom Brady. Look, Mac, Bill Belichick's a freaking genius. I can't take away from that. I think unless he's got Tom Brady coming out of that locker room, they're going to get him. Maybe it's a situation like we talked about it with college football. Maybe the Mac Jones is like the Stetson Bennett and Mahomes is like the Bryce Young where he's going to throw it where if he gets an aerial attack, maybe he can't do it. But I got so much faith in Josh McDaniels and and both Belichick, Steve and Bill, that they can out-scheme any coach. It's tough. It would be tough for me to bet on the Chiefs playing in Foxborough right now. It really would. The way the Patriots are playing, the way that offensive line is moving, like, listen, I get it. And and last in last night's game, the Monday Night Football game is not a good indicator of what Mac Jones – I mean, that, look at the weather in that game. I get it. Yeah, no. He I, only threw the ball three times. But Mac Jones, he hasn't been asked to do that much. But for what he's been asked to, he's been the one of the most efficient quarterbacks in football. See, the way I look at it is, look, Against the Dolphins, obviously, he had to throw to winning through the pick. That was his first game in the in the NFL. You can wipe that one away, you know. The way I look at it is he really hasn't had that situation yet where he's had to throw the ball to win the game. You know, I mean, you could say he played, he did it against Dallas, even though they lost the game. I want to see him do it in a big-time game, in a big-time spot where the pressure's on. We haven't had to see him come up with that yet. Until he does it, I'm going to doubt him and go with Mahomes, the guy who's proven it. But, look, I get it. I don't feel good about going against Belichick. Belichick's one hell of a coach. Josh McDaniels, he knows how to scheme and whatnot for this team and everything. I just feel like that it's inevitable we're going to have Patriots or Kansas City going to the Super Bowl again from the AFC. This is their conference, and as far as long as Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid are on one side and Bill Belichick and McDaniels on the other side, one of them or two is going to win this conference every time. Are we giving up on the Bills? 
since Absolutely. I had them in my Super Bowl. <laughs> Absolutely. I think it's time that we that we go ahead and give up on the Bills. I mean, if you can't win last night with those situations, don't get me wrong, they had every chance in the world and the weather slash Patriots goal on defense is what kept them out of the end zone. I just can't buy into it, man. Look, now do I think the Bills are a second round of the playoff teams? Absolutely, they can get that second round, but they're not beating Kansas City or New England. I mean, they got to play better football. There's, there's, I mean, there's nothing else to say. I mean, also, I don't know what their coach is saying, but he was like, don't give Bill so much credit for that game. I I think I'm going to give him all the credit for that game. Absolutely. He beat you, he beat you and outcoached you and only had his quarterback throw the ball three times. That's a masterful coaching job. That was the most, like, old school – honestly, that game really looks like two service academies playing each other. I thought I, I thought I watched Army-Navy on Monday instead of Saturday. Bill's got the service academy background. He does have the service academy background. Dang, well, all right, Ben. Anything else you think we should go over before we get up out of here? Mm. What's the – What's our current playoff situation with the wild card teams? Okay, so for our NFL wild card teams, good thing you asked this because I already have it pulled up. So Perfect. In, in the NFC, we have our two guys in the NFC West snagging spots right now with the Rams and the 49ers. After the Rams and the 49ers, Washington is in the last spot. The Eagles are 6-7 and seven with one more loss, keeping them half a game out of the Rams and 49ers. Um, the Rams the- have a huge huge game coming up against the Cardinals. Yeah, sorry, I meant the 49ers and Washingtons. But, yeah, the, the the Rams do. Washington is a big game against Dallas because Washington wins this game. They pull within a game of Dallas. Um, yeah, Rams and Cardinals have a big game coming up for the division as well. I believe that's on Monday Night Football. That's going to be one hell of a game yeah. as well. Um, yeah, so, I mean, everything's going to kind of play its way out. Atlanta and, Atlanta and Carolina are sitting there right outside. The Vikings are sitting there right outside. Atlanta and Carolina play each other this week. That'll pretty much eliminate one of the two of them. Let's be honest, though. Neither of those teams have a shot in hell at getting in here. Um, let's look at the AFC pl- playoff picture, though. It looks like Buffalo in Cincinnati, Indianapolis and in the Chargers. So Indianapolis has one more loss, but they're going to go on a bye week this week. Now it's between the Chargers, the Bills, and Cincinnati, Pittsburgh, and, and the Cleveland are one game out. Look, I'm going to go ahead and say this, guys. Indianapolis is absolutely going to go ahead and get in this playoff here. Indianapolis still has to play at the – actually, I take that back. Indianapolis has a Cardinals. tough schedule. They have to play the Cardinals Patriots, Patriots, Cardinals. Yeah. I mean, the Raiders are sneaky. They have to play the Jags. For some reason, I thought they had another meeting with the Texans somewhere on there. So, I mean, it's going to be tight for Indianapolis. I mean, obviously, the Chargers guys are going to have a tough time too. They still have to play Kansas City again. But they do have the Texans, Broncos, Raiders, and Giants. Keep so, in mind, they already they beat Kansas City once. So, can mm-hmm. they – it's kind of – tough to beat them twice they kind of split it look i think the Bengals of the hardest road not necessarily because i think they have the worst teams out of them but they still have to play the 49ers at the broncos i mean playing at mile high is tough and you still have to play the ravens kansas city and the browns so you still have divisional games left two big divisional games and you also have to play the kansas city who could be still be fighting for that number one seed never know with them i mean it's going to be interesting to see how everything plays out here in the afc do you think either cleveland or pittsburgh gets in no I think Cleveland gets in. I did pick Cleveland to go to the Super Bowl, so I am a little biased, but I still buy Cleveland's defensive unit. I think they're getting more healthy on the offensive side of the ball. Remember, Chubb has missed some games. He should be as healthy as he'll ever be. Him and Hunt both after a wild card week. Baker Mayfield is beat to shit, but I think they can limp in here as one of the, in the final spot. All right. Um, anything else, Ben, before we get up out of here? How would you rank... How would you rank your top four, maybe top five teams in the NFL? Put me on the spot. Um, well, I, mean, right. I can go. Yeah, yeah, you go ahead. So I, I still have the Packers as the number. I, I think the Packers are the best team in the NFL. Okay. Um, I would go, as of right now, obviously things can change. I would go Packers. Okay. I would, I would go Cardinals. Okay. I would go Patriots. I would go Bucks, Chiefs. In that order? Yeah. Okay. My order, I'm going to go with the Bucks at one. Two, I'll go Packers. Three, I'm going to go with uh, – this is tough. 
I guess at three, I'm going to go back to the NFC again and go with the Cardinals. And then I'm going to tie it for the Patriots and the Chiefs. So I'm not ready to say so, he's better between the two of them. But in the, on the flip side of things, look, the Cardinals, I actually think the defense is the better side of the ball for them, even though their offense puts up crazy numbers. I think it, I think it really comes down to between the Bucks, Bucks and Packers who has home field, but at the same time, I don't think anything matters. They have Tom Brady. Tom Brady beats everybody in the playoffs. There's no they way. They won I, in Green Bay. Didn't yeah, if Bucks you put a gun to my Green head. Last year? Yeah, they did win in Green Bay last year. You put a gun to my head, I'm 100% putting my life on, on Tom Brady. So my point of asking you that question is, and we agreed on it, the NST is extremely top-heavy. Yeah. And the AFC is as wide open, maybe not as it's ever been, because the Patriots have kind of, stepped in front and the Chiefs are looking better, but it's still very wide open. I, I think the AFC playoff picture, once we know the playoff teams, mm-hmm. I think it's going to be one of those expect the unexpected. I really do. We've seen it in some past years where the Titans, even though they have Derrick Henry, just kind of beat some teams where we're like, wow, Titans really beat them? Like, when they won in Baltimore, I was like, wait, Brable and the boys just did that? Like, the AFC, I think, I don't think anyone's going into Foxborough and beating them in the, in the first round or the first couple rounds. I think if maybe the AFC championship game, but the AFC is really wide open. I would be shocked if the Packers, Bucks, or Cardinals didn't win the NFC. Yeah, I know. I definitely, I, I would be absolutely, let's put it this way. I don't even think it's going to happen. I would take odds with anybody yeah. if I could get those three teams against anyone. Like I've, I've lost some confidence in Dallas. Absolutely. Dallas's defense just got too many turnovers and was fortunate. Now we've seen who they really are. I mean, they struggled. If Taysom Hill didn't throw four picks, they probably would have lost to the Saints. Lost at home to the Raiders, inexcusable. I mean, we've seen who everybody else is pretty much. The Rams, Stafford's definitely banged up, but yeah. All right, Ben. Well, I think it's high time we get up out of here. Once again, guys, we appreciate everyone who tuned in. Don't forget, guys, we will be back with PickPod on either Thursday or Friday. Regardless, it'll be out at some point on Friday. We're going to have for y'all breakdowns of the Army-Navy game. Once again, another hint. Our pick might be a little underwhelming on that one. Um, Best game of the year. Best game of the year. And then we'll have for y'all a nice little NFL card. And then we'll get Bulls ramped up the following week. So, Appreciate everyone who tuned in, and we'll talk to you all again soon.